Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Come along, it's amateur hour Where your story becomes ours Join me as I sit and talk And making changes to feeling stuck Let me keep you company Welcome to the show Amateur Welcome back to another episode fresh out of the oven of your favorite podcast, Amateur Hour with yours truly, Denise. Hello, welcome, welcome. It is so, so good to be back again. I feel that every time an episode goes up, I am so excited for y'all to just hear me speak. Honestly, I have so many thoughts, but when you put me on a mic, I'm just kind of, my ADHD runs wild and I'm going, which words come out first? Hmm? So. For today's first words that are coming out is today's drink of choice, which is going to be some nice chamomile tea because I have been drinking so much coffee, specifically the lavender chamomile tea by Bigelo with probiotics in it because that tea is so freaking good. You guys, I'm not even joking. It not only helps your insides do what they need to do with those probiotics. But the chamomile and the lavender just blends so well. I'm a big tea person. I love tea. I love coffee, but I love a good cup of tea to end my day. I just ran out of my pack and I have to order it online again from like the foreign shipping site that they have here in Korea because they don't have it available. So I have to get myself some more of that. But if you haven't tried that tea yet, please do. If you enjoy a good cup of like lavender chamomile, it's so good. It is my favorite thing. I chose that because I've been having way too much caffeine lately because your girl has not been sleeping. It is mainly just because I have just moved and I'm kind of getting used to the new place still, as you guys heard me talk about in my last episode. I'm still adjusting. Um... I found out that Maple talks in her sleep. So sometimes I think in the middle of the night, I'm so terrified that she is dying on me, but she's just talking in her sleep like a little baby. So I need a little bit of chamomile lavender to calm me down and try and get me in the mood for some good old Z's. I can't get past, I count sheep. I try counting sheep, okay? I get to a thousand and at that point, I'm like, this is exhausting. This is exhausting, but I can't sleep. So I've been doing the most that I can. I'm going to sign up for another gym membership uh, around where I live to try and use up the energy that I have so that I can sleep better. So hopefully you guys are sleeping better than I am. Uh, Do not be worried because whenever I say I can't sleep to people on the internet, they get very concerned very quickly. But insomnia is a real thing and a real issue that a lot of people have. And I am just dealing with it as well. So do not worry your pretty brains. All right. As we are going, I have just so many things always going on. It is freezing in Korea. And I have broken out the what we call pedding here, which is basically just a big long coat. It's it's just a winter coat, to be honest. They call it padding because it's padded, I guess. I would assume that's why they call it that. One question I do have, though, is if you've ever been in Korea, why do they call a sweatshirt or like a hoodie like a man-to-man? Like they call it a man-to-man. I don't get it. I will never understand it. If anyone has any insight as to why it's called a man-to-man, please let me know. Regardless, uh, I've been wearing my man-to-mans and my pedding and just been freezing outside. So I stay home a lot with my heater on. And it's mainly just been a lot of cold days. It's been snowing though, apparently in Korea, but I have not seen it once. It snows I wake up early in the morning, but it's just either in my area or wherever it is that I don't see any snowfall. And I want to see it so badly. I love snow, but I have yet to see it. But apparently all the snow that's fallen so far has been that ugly kind of crusty snow. It's not the pretty, whoa, white Christmas kind of thing. This is like shaggly, ugly, weird snow. So luckily, I guess I haven't seen that. But I just want to see the snowflakes fall. It's my favorite thing. I want it to snow so bad. So that's what I've been doing, just waiting on the snow. 
I am preparing for my holiday vlog that you guys voted on my Twitter poll for. So I am slowly prepping. I haven't been on the YouTube game in so long. So I'm trying to think about what would be interesting to vlog even because I am so boring as a person. My daily life is so mundane to be honest so I don't really know what you guys would want to see hopefully I'll have um, some things so that's kind of what I've been up to we are going to be joined by a wonderful guest today her name is Sam Stiglitz she is a well-renowned casting director um, acting teacher she is across the board just someone that is so vouched for in the acting community People are dying to work with her. Um, I would be dying to work with her. If you guys didn't know, I had a bit of a acting upbringing. I wanted to be one of those Disney girlies, you know. I wanted to be like, hi, I'm Denise and you're watching Disney Channel. Dun, 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 dun. That was my dream, okay. I did that with a candle when I was little. You know, those like, we had these big wicker candles, you know, the ones they use in, I don't know, old timey houses or something what do they call those like big candles but I would use that and I'd be like hi this is Denise and you're watching Disney Channel I wanted to be that so bad so I took acting lessons I did auditions when I was young I went to LA it did not work for me but I would have wanted to work with her if I was young and if now if I wanted an acting career I would definitely want to work with her but we're going to learn so much from her and I have so many questions that I'm dying to ask. And I think it'll be really interesting for you guys to listen in too. So without further ado, let's welcome in Sam Stiglitz. Welcome to the Amateur Hour podcast, Sam. Thank you so much for being on. Oh, thanks for having me. I'm so excited. How have you been? What have you been up to these days? Anything fun or new? Um, Work stuff, life stuff, both. Oh, just the normal, but anything like that, I think, I think my audience and me too are really interested in a lot of things. Like, how did you get started? Like, where are you from? I'm from San Diego. Um, I grew up doing musical theater. Like I was a singer my whole life. Um, so I didn't really know what that was going to be. All I knew was that I wanted to be some sort of a performer. So I had, I was really lucky. I had parents that supported me. So I ended up going and getting like a BFA at a conservatory program. Mm -hmm. But I didn't want to move to New York, which kind of limits, like I watched all of my classmates move to New York and I was like, I want to be in the sunshine. I want to be in LA, um, moved out to LA, spent a couple years kind of figuring shit out out here and realizing that I definitely didn't want to be a film and TV actor. So after sort of having that hard conversation with myself, I found my way to casting and then ultimately to coaching, but it's a really hard sort of it's a hard field to be in and not everyone belongs directly in front of the camera as an actor. So it was like an interesting path to get to where I am today. Definitely. I think it's so interesting. And I think a lot of our listeners, I'm very interested in the casting process because <laughs> um, I grew up wanting to be a Disney kid. So I like lived in LA for a few months <laughs> and I did all of the um, the auditions or whatever it was, but mm -hmm. I was always more of a singer on my end. So I just kind of stuck with that route. But um, what's it like being a casting director, I guess, in that way or in casting, do you, um, is it more so you look for certain people or is it like when they walk in, do you know it's them or how does that usually kind of work for you guys? Like, I think that's so interesting. Kind of a combination of the above. Like I've said this a lot, but casting directors don't go to casting school. It doesn't exist. So like mm -hmm. you are a casting director, you watch TV, film, you see what you like. Everyone has had that moment in their life when they were little, when they were older, when they realized, oh, wow, this role is different because of the actor playing it. I was really young when I realized that. I went to go see a show at the La Jolla Playhouse. I was probably like 11. And it was Damn Yankees. And it was with Victor Garber and B.B. Newworth. And I realized like, oh, my God, this is good because of these actors. Until you have that moment watching it, you're like, this is a great movie. This is a great TV show. And then you're like, oh, no, no, it's good because of this person. And so when you're watching TV and film, you guys can all play casting director and be like, no, so-and-so would have been better. This is amazing because of them, right? So we all just have inherent taste. So what casting directors do is a couple of things. First of all, they're not the people that make the decisions. They're the people that bring the right people in so that other people can make decisions. So casting directors don't actually have a lot of power other than the ability to get someone in the room. Casting directors are hired because of their taste and their contacts. 
So actors tend to not know that in the early on in their career. They're like, I want to meet casting directors so that I can get hired. And that's like a really big realization. And so I always encourage actors to play casting director, to start to develop their taste and know actors so that they can sort of align themselves with casting and take the fear away from casting. So that when they're in the room with casting, it's not like, oh my God, I bow down to you. It's like, no, let's work together because we both have the same common goal, which is get me this job. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Almost definitely. That is always the end goal. I'm glad that we are all honest in this in this, in this little courtroom right here. <laughs> I, I, I always found it so interesting because it's kind of everyone is trying to be in a sense whenever they walk in through an audition doors, I'm trying to be what you're looking for. Yeah. And they're willing to twist, turn, bend, whatever it is to get into and fit in that role. But it's not always the case, is it? So I think one of the biggest mistakes actors make is to try to be what they're looking for. Because the only way to do that is to jump into casting directors, producers' minds and guess and know what they're looking for. And what they're looking for is actually you. If they already knew what they were looking for, they would have made an offer and they would have it already. Mm. What they want is for you to come in, take the sides, the script, whatever you have, take the information you're already given, and then make it your own. Make some cool, brave, interesting choices they haven't seen before. Because think about it this way. If they've sent your reps the side script, breakdown, whatever, they've sent it to 500 other actors, right? And if you're smart, you're going to make approximately the same choice as everyone else is making. So they're going to see 500 similar auditions. So what you have to do is do something different. Otherwise, it's just audition after audition after audition that's all pretty similar. That really, I think, shakes up a lot of the interesting um, work between and behind auditions that people think go on. I don't think if you're not familiar with the audition process, usually there's a casting call or an audition and you will go, you'll get a script. If you get a script, if not, you'll go in, you'll do, I don't know, you can probably get the script beforehand. Sometimes I'll have you do a cool read, whatever it is. I haven't been in the game for a very long time. So correct me if I'm wrong, please. I am not out here to embarrass myself. But um, basically you go in and you are, for lack of better words, trying to, if you were like me when I was young, try to impress these people sure. and get them to like you so that they cast you. And that didn't happen for me because I was just, it, there was just not a place in the market for me at the time. And I don't think... What do you mean by that? There wasn't a place I, in the market. I think at the time it was just like for me... um I was this little skinny, scrawny Asian American girl that was just yeah. trying to be a Disney girly. And it just wasn't um, really there yet in the market. It wasn't as so. inclusive yet. Mm. Yeah. So that was something that I realized pretty quick. And yeah. I was kind of like, all right, well, I'll just stick to singing and kind of improve what I can do right now. And maybe in the future, if I want to come back to acting, I can. Because I always thought it was super fun because it was just it kind of like, I'm just lying all the time. <laughs> it's the most fun job in the world. Like it really is once you get to do it. But the problem is the job for actors is auditioning until you get the job, which is being on set. But actors need to realize your job is auditioning. And you're mostly right, right? The, the, the audition process is different depending on whether you have an agent or a manager or not. So if you don't have an agent or manager, you're like waiting for casting calls, like open calls, and you're going on backstage and actors access and just submitting for everything. If you have an agent or manager, it's a little bit different. It's a little more selective. You get the audition. They're auditioning fewer people. You're going in. You're not doing cold reads. You have the sides ahead of time. You get to be way more prepared. But now, I mean, as opposed to when you were auditioning, there's so much more content. There's so many more networks. There were, where there was like Disney, now there's Disney Plus, which is what's called an over-the-top streaming network. These additional networks exist. So many more shows, what feels like fewer roles for some reason, but there really is so much more work out there for actors. And what you were talking about earlier, wanting to be like a Disney Nickelodeon star, totally different genre. We're talking about multicam shows, broader shows, different style of acting. So actors not only have to be skilled at the craft of acting, but they have to know the business of acting too, which is a whole nother thing to do, which is sort of what I do is I help actors learn all of this stuff. So you originally um, did musical theater and you started out as an actor as well then. Yes, I started as an actor. I don't know how good of an actor I was. I started in like musical theater. I went to um, study Shakespeare in the UK with the founder, one of the founders of the Royal Shakespeare Company. Moved back to LA 
tried my hand at acting for like three years and then was like, I had to have a really hard conversation with myself, which was like, this is not for you. And there's a lot of like shame in quitting acting. Like it's like, oh, you didn't try hard enough, whatever. But for me, I wasn't trying. I was sort of sitting, waiting for opportunity to come to me. And what actors do so well, and I'm sure performers, singers, you know, is they are go-getters, they're hustlers. And that's not who I am when it comes to selling myself. Mm. So I wanted to find a job that was creative, but had structure built into it because being an actor has no structure built into it. So I sort of bopped around the different jobs in the industry and discovered casting, which was the best thing that ever happened to me. I think that that's really interesting in the terms of it's so hard to have that conversation with yourself when, but it is the most important conversation to have with yourself in terms of having that click inside. You're like, okay, if this isn't working and I've been doing this and I realize it's not me, I really need to come out of this. And then that means there's something, there's so much more out there for me. And in that way, what do you think that, and what do you think was the, I guess, stability that you were searching for in terms of um, coming out of the acting process? Stability. I I think you said it. I think it was the knowing where I was going every day, knowing what I was doing, having some sort of structure and not having all eyes focused on me, me, right? Like eyes focused on my work, sure, but not being judged for how I looked or the talent or the body or whatever, right? Like you were saying, there wasn't enough, there wasn't a place for you in the industry 10 years ago, right? That's gross. That's really gross. Now there is the industry has opened up and become more inclusive. That should have happened 50 years ago. So there are aspects of the industry that didn't sit well with me as a person. And I wanted a job where I could go be creative, but also have a job to do. And I wanted to work with actors, but not as an actor. Oh, I see. What was, how long do you think that transition kind of took you then coming out from that to become, to finding casting and then finding where you wanted to go from there? So I got lucky. Um, Once I decided I didn't want to act anymore, then my sort of like go-getter side kicked in immediately. And so I discovered that casting was a job. I didn't even know, really understand it. And the day I discovered that, I picked up the phone and called every casting office in LA, just like cold called them. And then I got on the phone with this office called Junior Larry Johnson, which is this massive casting office. And I was like, hey, can I work for you for free? And they were like, sure, great. So I worked worked for them every single day for eight or nine hours a day and then waited tables at night. I worked there for six months and they were so busy at the time. They were doing True Blood, Big Love, Dirty Sexy Money, um, Deadwood, all these massive shows and they needed help. They needed someone to just be there and do everything. And I learned more in that six months than I've ever learned in my entire life. And I was literally like running my own sessions, picking my own actors, like just doing everything. So from there, I moved up very quickly. I think I worked at 10 casting offices and went from intern assistant associate to casting director in like five years, which is That's amazing. very fast. Yeah. That's incredible. And I loved it. I thought it was the coolest job ever. Um, what, is it? And then also from there you did casting and then you also went to coaching as well. Yeah. So I was at this office called Zane Pillsbury. That was my longest sort of stand. I was there for six years as a casting director. There were two partners there. And then underneath them, I was like sort of the second person and I cast my own shows alongside of them. And that was where I did Pretty Little Liars. Um, And when I was there, I sort of ended up burning out on casting, not because of them, not because of anything that happened there, but just because, you know, you do a pilot season a network pilot season, which is from like January to March, where the broadcast networks, which is ABC, NBC, CBS, CW, and Fox, cast their pilots, which is the first episode of the show. Before the pandemic, they would do 120 pilots and pick up 10. So you would like sweat and cry on the floor of Warner Brothers to get these people cast. And the show wouldn't get picked up. And you just like put your heart and soul into it. And I was kind of burning out on that. Some people love it. They're passionate about it. They want to do it every year until the end of time. And I was sort of like, what I love most about casting is sitting in a room with you during your audition and helping you find your way into a scene. And I was like, there's a job. That's that's a job in and of itself. I don't have to be a casting director to do that. I can be an acting coach and just do that part. 
And so I got really lucky because when I decided to do that, first of all, I had like the support of my husband and someone who would like let me start a new job or not let me, but work with me, you know, anyway. And because I'd been a casting director at a really big office, I had all these connections to agents and managers and producers. So when I said, you know what, I'm going to try this, people sent me their clients. As opposed to, you know, there is an acting coach for every actor out there. If you like Google acting coach, you will get 10,000, two are good, the rest are charlatans, right? And so within a really short period of time, I became one of the top 10 acting coaches who CAA and UTA and WME will send their clients to. And that's a really like, really hard thing to do because there's so many. So that's just luck, I think. Like you could be an acting coach from now until the end of time and get 10 clients. Um, so that's sort of how I got to where I am now. And that's the part I love about the job. It's not necessarily the, I loved casting, but there's elements of it I didn't like, but I loved working with the actors. I think that's really not, it's, I don't, I think more than luck for you is just the fact that you know what goes on behind the scenes in terms of where they're walking into, where the actors are walking into, which is a casting call or an audition. And in that way, you've been on each side because you've been an actor and you've been on the casting side. And now you're just helping them get through the door in that way. And that's the most important part. Like you said, everybody wants to make money. I want to make money. We're all out here. We're all just trying to make a living and follow our dreams. And if you're following your dreams and you can make some money while doing that, 10 out of 10, flawless, flawless yeah. execution. So in that way, I think that being able to be on each side of that from having been an actor and in casting to being a coach is the greatest pipeline I think I've seen in a while because it makes so much sense. And of course, I think if I was somebody that was working in acting still, then I would have definitely wanted to go to you as well because of the fact that yeah. that... Because you know in that way. So I think you should definitely credit yourself for that because that's, (laughs) I just had to say that. I think that's amazing. And also, can I just say that Sam basically like raised my childhood because I grew up on Pretty Little Liars being one of my favorite shows as a teen. I was obsessed with that show. I was reading fan fiction about it. Like, don't talk to me. I was in a world with it. Okay. So um, thank you so much for basically putting, helping put that show together and raising me. We knew all the secrets before you did. It was like double coded in a system that you had to log in with six passwords to get the scripts to. Like we knew all this shit. We were not allowed to share it. (laughs) No, I was on these back when Instagram was like so, so not what it is now. But back whenever um, it was on, in the early ages, I would follow mm-hmm. these um, PLL um, conspiracy pages, conspiracies, <laughs> predictions. And I was so deep down that that's my thing. I have a very addictive personality. If I get in. Yeah. So if I get into something, I get so deep into it. I was a little upset to find out that I did not get full closure on the fact that Spencer and Toby were together, but the little open ending. I have a problem with that too. When things are open-ended, my favorite show of all time ended badly. Like the ending of it just was not satisfying. And I've watched it over and over again, like 30 times, but I'll never watch watch the last episode because I want the couple to stay together. And it just, makes me so angry. I think that one of the things that I've learned, and look, I always feel bad for like my first clients when I was a coach, because like you, you grow so much as an actor, you grow as a coach or whatever. But one of the things that I've learned and the thing that if you ask me, like what makes you different as a coach, it's that no, no two people work the same way. So if you go to like an acting school or a coach in LA, most of them will be like, here's my process. You work my way. And for me, I don't have a process. I work with a lot of different types of actors. I have like fancy pants movie stars and TV stars, but then I also have non-traditional actors, like a lot of influencers, like K-pop stars. I have a lot of people coming from other areas wanting to be actors because they found fame and now they're getting auditions. And I could say to you, we're going to take these 10 steps and make you an actor, or I could get to know you and we can figure out a way that works for you. And I think that's sort of the reason why a lot of people come to me as opposed to other people, just because I could jam a process down your throat, but then I don't, I don't have to execute on the day you do. So that's sort of why, or or what, how I work a little bit differently than other coaches. Um, Speaking back into what you mentioned when it comes to like 
um, K-pop artists or musicians or other people transitioning into acting. Um, what are your thoughts on that in a way where it's just very, I find that it's in Korea, it's a very common thing for musicians or K-pop idols um, to transition into acting. And in that way, it's very common. But um, if you had any thoughts about it or how it usually works, does it take more training or does it, um, does it work for some people? Does it not? I have tons of thoughts on it. Um, Look, you guys are storytellers. Like, if you are coming from being a singer or a content creator or a wrestler, like, look at The Rock, right? You're telling a story. He's, what, the top paid movie star in the world? You're telling a story. You're just telling it in a different format. So I think it's pretty easy to transition from someone from a singer to a an actor. You just have to find the way, the mechanism of moving their storytelling over. Because acting is just storytelling, Right. There is this dirty rumor going around among actors that influencers are coming in to steal their jobs and like pop stars are coming in to steal their jobs. It's not happening. It's never been proven. It doesn't make money, right? Like if it made money in TV to give, you know, Logan Paul a job on NCIS, they would be doing it. But it hasn't been proven to move the dial at all. So that's just a rumor. It's it's not true. And the sort of content creators and singers and people that I work with really work hard. They come to me because they're like, look, I've found this amount of fame. I have this team at UTA. I have like, you know, a social media person. I have a TV person. I have an NFT person. I have all these people telling me like capitalize on this. So they're saying, I want to get really good at what I do. So I think it's great. And I think it's really when people want to be actors and want to work hard at it, it's just a matter of finding their way in. With um, with pop stars or whoever, like all these other people, there's also a very big thing these days where it's in nepotism. I'm going to say that again. There's also a new thing where it's nepotism babies in Hollywood and acting. Is there, if there's any, I guess, pressure on the casting side, I guess, like hire them or kind of how it works or if you think that they get more advantage or like your thoughts on it? Well, sure. I mean, in any industry, right? Like if you wanted to get into Yale and your dad had a building with their name on it, like they're going to get into Yale, obviously. But I feel like this is newly upsetting to the TikTok world. Like the TikTok world has just discovered this. They're all up. I, know, I sound a hundred. I sound like I'm... No. <laughs> I sound like my grandpa at like Thanksgiving dinner. But like it is, it's very newly upsetting to people on TikTok, this nepotism thing. But it has always existed. Also, the definition of a movie star is someone who can fill a movie theater. That's all it is, right? Can you get butts and seats? So there's very few movie stars because there's very few people who can get that many people in seats based on their names. So if you're looking at auditioning a role or filling it with Lily Rose Depp, right? You can audition it, or you can say this person has some name value. You're probably going to go with the person who has a little bit of name value. Is that upsetting? Sure. But has that always existed? Yes. And does Lily Rose Depp work on her acting? And is she good? Yes. You know what I mean? Like you can't get upset about what happens to other people. It's going to ruin your life. Always. It's going to ruin your life. In that way, do you think that in the way there is kind of the battle, I guess, for lack of better words, between talent versus clout or name value? Yes, for sure. But I do think a lot of the people of name value work really hard on their acting. But yes, of course. And, you know, for every role, almost every role that goes out, they audition and they make offers. So they will try to find the best actor for the role. And then if they need to, they will stunt cast. And stunt casting is when you go to someone of name value. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free. Or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Mm, that is interesting. Mm-hmm. Do they, do you think that happens more often than not in the industry? Or do you think it's just kind of like a pick and choose situation case by case? It depends on the role, right? Like if we're talking about the lead of a project, they're going to want to get someone in who one, they know can carry the project. And two, they know we'll get the get eyes on the project. So usually with leads, you'll get someone of name value, 
we're talking about like fifth, sixth on the call sheet, they're auditioning. If, you know, it's episode 700 of NCIS and viewership is a little bit down, the studio may call the casting director and say, hey, let's stunt cast this role. Meaning let's get someone in with, let's get J- Justin Bieber to do it. You know what I mean? And so he that did. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that happens a lot. We used to, like, speaking of Disney and Nickelodeon, we used to have to stun cast little roles all the time because kids love that stuff. Like they love seeing influencers in an episode. Um, but it's, it's a mix of the two. And for actors, my advice is worry about your own shit, right? Be the best actor you can be and stop worrying that so-and-so got a job. And further now with, now that anyone will do TV, anyone, right? Every movie star in the world has a TV show that just ups the game. When you book your role opposite Meryl Streep on a Netflix series, do you know how good the director is going to be, the cinematographer, the producers? And you get to act opposite Meryl Streep. She's not taking your job. It wasn't you versus Meryl Streep for that job. It was just Meryl Streep, right? So you can't get upset about that. Of course. When you come to um, a lot of people, coach, whenever you're coaching for people that are kind of going through the door for the first time in terms of like thinking with all of that in mind that you said, um, what do you think is the biggest struggle in terms of, I believe they call it unlocking an actor and um, trying to get them through the door? Because I can tell that, of course, before going in, there's a thousand thoughts going on. They're thinking about all these different things of, will I get the part? There's so many other things. They're probably thinking about the people next to them, like, oh, are they going to get the part over me? Whatever it may be. But what is your, I would say, what would you say is um, the main goal whenever you're unlocking an actor? So are you talking about auditioning or acting? Both, if you could. Yeah, I mean, because they're two different things, right? So auditions are their own beast. You know, you have to act in front of casting with imaginary circumstances, with people staring at you over Zoom or for a self-tape now. For acting, you've booked the job and it's much easier. So if we're in a restaurant for the audition, we're pretending. When we're acting, we're on set. So a lot of my clients are coming to me for auditioning, right? And unlocking them mostly means just getting them out of their own way and giving them permission to acknowledge all of the shit that's going on in their head. So if on that day they're worried about, you know, the casting director hates me and I'm going to lose the job to an influencer and I'm actually really nervous and blah, 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 blah. Instead of saying, I can't think about all that stuff. Why don't just let them think about it? Because this is real life and they're playing a human being and human beings are neurotic and crazy and all of that stuff. So for some actors, allowing them to have those moments and let those thoughts flow through their head is really helpful. Like if they're nervous when they audition, great, they're going to be nervous. Asking why is the character nervous is always a really good question as opposed to being like, stop being nervous. Oh, there we go. Every actor gets unlocked a little bit differently. Some have a ton of trauma from like old acting teachers who, you know, beat them down until they cried. And then we're like, there, there you have it. Like that's a really old school mechanism of teaching acting, right? A lot of them are just, you know, standing in their own way for different reasons. And that's why I like private coaching. Because if I got to know you, I would figure out, okay, how do we unlock her as opposed to how do we unlock every actor? Mm, it's person by person, case by case. I think that's really important. It's the same thing that I've learned with, um, I had a couple of acting coaches growing up, but it was more so what I learned more with vocal coaching because I've had so many vocal coaches growing up. Mm -hmm. Um, My dad vocal coached me for a while too. And if you know that thing where it's like, you should never learn from your parents, it's crazy. (laughs) But um, I had so many vocal teachers growing up and it was, um, I found my first vocal coach that I really synced with really well when I was 16, 15, 16. Mm-hmm. And um, that we, she just really understood my voice and how to use it. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't that I wasn't practicing hard enough. It wasn't that I wasn't good enough or anything in the past. It was just the fact that I hadn't met the right coach that yeah. really knew how to unlock and understand my voice to where I could really push myself to be the best version because she understood what the worst version and the middle version and every other version of myself was. Like she said, that's all your voice. It doesn't mean like your voice is on a bad day or whatever it is. It just means that's all your voice top to bottom and you use that. That must have been super reassuring to hear because what another coach would say is like, you're messing up or that's a bad way to sing. Someone else is like, no, no, that's just the way your voice works. Yeah, exactly. So she she would say like, okay, let's see how we can utilize that into something Mm -hmm. that only you can do. 
Well, clearly it worked for you. (laughs) Yeah, it definitely was interesting. I need to start picking back up on that, to be honest. But Totally. Does it make you feel good? You love singing, right? I do. I do. I just have been so busy that I have not been able to get back in a studio and practice. But where are you based? Where where do you um, live? I'm currently based in Seoul, South Korea. So what time is it? It's 4 (laughs) a.m. But it's all good. We always have an odd time zone with... um, recording if you guys don't know um since um sam is currently in california and i'm currently in korea the time difference goes crazy but i am uh an insomniac so it does not matter to me so it's completely fine so this worked out phenomenal for me this was great i wasn't going to sleep tonight anyways took a really big nap earlier on accident I'm so funny. I don't think I realized that. I feel like one of the ones I listened to, you were talking to someone who was in Texas and I yes. assumed you were in Texas. Never mind. doesn't matter. No worries. <laughs> it happens all the time. So when it comes to, I think, unlocking an actor um, and you catch that, is it, do you think different, do you, do you find that some actors get more nervous on set than they do in auditions? I think it totally depends on the person. I have found most actors, I always say this to my clients, like, you're going to be fine once you get to set. There's there's very few actors I actually go to set with. Like the dialect coach is there. A lot of people are there. But my clients, they're fine once they get to set. The audition process is fucked. And it's even more fucked now because... Am I allowed, I'm allowed to curse on this, right? Okay. It's even more fucked now because the pandemic made it that everything is a self-tape or a Zoom audition. Even chemistry reads are over Zoom. And chemistry is meant to be like, I feel you, I see you, I touch you go well together, right? Um, so it's the audition process that really, really messes people up and gets them stuck in their heads. You know, and a, a working actor has, you know, eight to 10 auditions a week, something like that, right? And it's all self-tape. So when we used to be in the room with them, we would see 20 actors, even if we weren't giving feedback, even if we weren't saying do it a different way, they were getting feedback. They were feeling they were getting a button on the audition. They'd come, we'd talk to them, they'd leave, they could close it. With a self-tape, they send it out into the void, they hear nothing, just nothingness. I think one of the biggest misconceptions about being an actor, any theater school in the world will say this, you know, get ready for rejection. You feel so much rejection as an actor and it's just total fucking bullshit. You hear nothing all the time, right? And I think that's more painful than rejection because you're putting your heart and soul into these auditions and then you just hear nothing. And there's no way to gauge how you're doing because casting directors don't have the time to give feedback unless it's really bad or really good. So if they want you, they'll call and be like, hey, we're putting a pin, we're, we're holding you or you booked the job. And if it was just horrifying, they'll call and be like, okay, I got to tell the reps that this, like something went terribly wrong. But if it's just like a run of the mill good audition, you hear nothing and you just don't book the job. And that's that so is rough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We, you, um, we need feedback. We need live feedback. I mean, I would, I know as an actor, I would crave it. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say, um, when you were an actor, do you face a lot of that as well? Like in auditions? Or... I think you're assuming I was a much more successful actor than I am. No, <laughs> it's just definitely, everyone I know that does acting, is like, there's just the process is so... Like, I get it. It's just, it's like waiting for something to happen. It's just always waiting for a star to fall or something yeah. like that. So you're just constantly, it's this waiting game of just put, like you said, putting your heart and soul out yeah. there until yeah. someone responds. Yeah. Well, when I was an actor, first I was at a, a conservatory program and those, those programs are toxic. They just are. It's very like small. They, the teachers are sort of power hungry. They stay there forever. And this was, I was there from 2000 to 2005, which was before a lot of the like body positivity movement, thank God. And so I was kind of a heavier actress and I was told a lot that like I could only play certain roles because of my body type. So that was really, really, you know, damaging for me. And then when I moved to LA, I auditioned, but I didn't like, I didn't have a lot of success in terms of auditioning. So part of the reason why I wanted to go into casting and to coaching was to like help people have a more positive experience with acting. So they didn't have like some of like bullshit that me and my friends faced in the like theater world, in the film and television world. Um, But I do, I do definitely think that the lack of feedback is really hard on actors. (laughs) Definitely. I can't, I mean, it is essentially kind of, I mean, with the day and age of the internet now for musicians, at least if you release something, 
you get comments, you get whatever it is, good or bad, you get response, you get feedback. But when it comes to acting, it's all in the room or in the Zoom call or whatever it is that you're doing. Or if you're just sending a self-tape, it's literally just like sending a mail, a letter out into the mail and just never expecting a response back which is crazy to me. Yes. And it's guesswork. All of auditioning is just educated guesswork. So if you get an audition tomorrow for, you know, a medical procedural, like Grey's Anatomy or something, right? And you know the network, you know what's on ABC, and you get the character breakdown and she's, you know, 20 and she's smart and she's funny and she's a nurse. That's all you get, right? So within that framework, you have to make choices. So you could be completely wrong in all of your choices, which is great and fun. And that's what actors should do. But you will never know if you got even close to what they were thinking in their heads. You'll never know. And that's kind of the mindfuck of being an actor is you have to be brave enough to put your choices out there and smart enough to make sure they're kind of relatively close. You know, so that's why I say you know the industry and the craft because you have to say, okay, what's the network? What's the studio? Who are the producers? What kind of show is this? What's the genre? You know, all the stuff that goes on, you have, you're responsible for knowing that as well. That is so much work as a person that has to just, you would think, because I think a lot of people just mistake actors as people who send in auditions or self tapes or whatever it is and just kind of they're like, oh, you got it or whatever it is. It's, a very strenuous process. Like people are this the term like struggling like or up and coming actor is a term that is absolutely crazy. Like I um me being in the industry, like I was going out to all these auditions whenever I was really young. Obviously it was very different for me in my time because I was like 10 years ago. But I can't imagine how it is now. Like self-tapes are so hard. I'm not gonna lie to you because there's no kind of when you walk into a room for an audition, you at least are like, I'm going into the audition. Like your mind kind of assesses it. If you are in your room on a white wall and you are just trying to film this, you kind of just feel like, and also you'll keep rewatching it over and over again and you start psyching yourself out so quick. I don't let my clients do this. So I have a client who's a very, very, very successful actor, like very. So he only has to audition once a year, maybe. And so his audition, maybe that his audition process is to tape and tape and tape and tape and tape a hundred times. So when he gets that audition, I don't let him work with me. Like I'll work on his movies with him, whatever, but he's not allowed to audition with me. I send him to someone else because I think that's a mind fuck to tape over and over and over and watch and watch and rewatch and fix. Like that takes the humanity out of acting because we don't do that in real life. We don't get to be perfect and fix things. So I think that's what fucks up actors is being able to watch their tape and fix their tape. Like you get it in the first like two takes, otherwise you're not going to get it at all because then Mm -hmm. you're like stripping it of what's fun and good. Another thing I've noticed from talking to actors is there are millions of acting classes out there. Millions, right? Hundreds, thousands. There are no business of acting classes, like where you learn all of that stuff. So that was like, I was super determined to fix that too, because I don't like teaching classes. It's not my, I'm very much like a private coach, but I was like, I need to fix this. I need to help actors figure out like how, how they learn like the business side of things. Cause it's crazy that they don't know that. It is insane because even mm-hmm. me transitioning from being an artist or a singer to coming to my own and being an indie artist and a freelancer and being on my own, I had to learn about the business side of music and everything. And sure. it was so icky sometimes that, that it burnt me out so much that I was kind of like, I don't think to the point where I was thinking like, I don't think I can do this or mm-hmm. like, I don't think I'm capable enough. And I was like, okay, this is why people hire managers and PR and yeah. um, publishers and things like that. There are people out there who do that for you. So you can focus yeah. on what you need to do totally. and in that way. But being aware of that business side, because I got into the industry when I was so young that how mm-hmm. are you going to explain to a 13 year old what a contract is and that whatever all these things that she's signing for whatever it is. Like they don't. And someone hands you a paper and says, if you sign us, I'll make your dreams come true to a 13 year old. Obviously they're going to say yes. They don't think that much about it. Well, I don't work with kids for that very reason. Like I, from casting, I had to, I had to cast shows that had kids in them and I would see the kids come in. I would see their parents behind them and it felt like it was the parents' dream. So when I was lucky enough to start my own business, I was like, I have an age cutoff. Like I'm just not working with kids. There's people better at it than me. I also got really lucky. Like my business is all referrals. So I don't have to work with like a lot of people who I don't feel are like the style that I want to work with. But kids especially, 
it breaks my heart. Like you're, what you were saying, I don't think they have the bandwidth to understand what this industry is. And yes, there are some kids who are so fucking talented. They have to do this, but those are few and far between. Yes, there is. Every time I see a child in um, a movie or a show, they're acting. I'm just kind of going like, this is crazy. Like when I was young, I told you I wanted I wanted so bad to be a little dun 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 Disney kid. I wanted I was like drawing that on every little thing that I could find. It's 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 a dream, but definitely I remember doing an acting class. Um, it was a group acting class, which I realized I did not want to do again afterwards. I liked group improv, but group mm-hmm. acting classes were so intimidating. Mm-hmm. Where we were doing the acting or whatever, but there was this one girl that walked in. She has been in the acting industry for a while. And she just came in and demolished. Like she really, oh. like she did this crazy scene and it was so good. And th- I remember in that moment, it clicked for me and I was like, that is acting. Yeah. Like I was pretending and she mm-hmm. was acting like mm-hmm. she was fully in the scene, but she was so young. So for me to see that and have her like have that talent and I have that sense of being able to do that, I was like, there are people who are just born to do it. Yeah. Some people are just born to do it. It's just, you know, if the industry, if you can handle the industry that young, I mean, very, very hard. So it's so interesting. Would you say that you have any advice for like up and coming actors or people that you would say like maybe want to get into casting actually? So my like number one piece of advice for actors is just be really, really nice to everybody. Like I've had too many experiences where, you know, I've seen people treat other people like shit on the way up and then the way down is really, really brutal. I know this doesn't have anything to do with acting, but it's just my general piece of advice treat everyone very kindly, like the PAs on set, the other actors, like once you've made it, I see this happen a lot where season one, everyone's super grateful. Season three, everyone's an asshole. So like just that. But my other piece of advice is work harder than everybody else, because there is no shortage of talent in this town. And the people who make it are the ones who just don't stop and work harder than absolutely everybody. Surround yourself with a team of experts, find agents you love, managers you love, coaches you love, and don't let your ego get in the way of accepting advice and opinions from other people. I think that is so important. What about, I think, anyone who um, wants to make the transition into casting, which is actually something that I think is really interesting that I think a lot of people will find interesting as well? Well, I think every actor should be in a casting room at some point. I think knowing what goes on on the other side is really important because actors just think that the people on the other side just want to reject them. And it's the opposite. They want you to be the answer to the problem they're having, which is we don't have someone to fill this job and we want it to be you. Like we are so desperately hoping when you walk in the door, you are the best person, right? And I think actors need to learn to view themselves as the single best actor that has ever graced the planet, right? Because why would we hire someone who wouldn't think that, who who didn't think they're the best person? Like we're not going to hire, if, you, if you're having heart surgery, you're not going to go to the 16th best heart surgeon. You're going to seek out the best heart surgeon, right? If we're entrusting you with our multi-million dollar series, it's going to run for 10 episodes on Netflix. And we're going to, you know, again, hire Meryl Streep. Like we want someone who can play tennis with Agassi. We want someone who can stay up with Meryl Streep, right? So you have to believe you are the very best person. If you come and work at a casting office, you're going to see the ins and outs. It's not just the session. It's what happens when the doors close, the conversations, talking to the studios, talking to the networks, all the things that go into that. If you want to get into casting, you go to the CSA website, the Casting Society of America. That's sort of the group of casting directors and their um it's like a, it's a group. There's nothing else to say. It's not a union because the union for casting directors is $3.99, but it's how casting directors post information and how you go about, um, I don't, I'm saying this in such a messy way, but it's just a group of casting directors. Anyway, they post jobs on there. So if you want to be an intern, an associate, an assistant, whatever, the job postings are on the Casting Society of America. There are rules about being an intern. I believe you need to do it for college credit or something, something like that. But if you are interested in casting, I very much think you should. You can also try to become a reader in a casting office if you're not necessarily looking to become an intern. A lot of the theater offices and the big film offices use readers, and that's a great experience too. That is amazing. I think a lot of anyone who is listening that may be an up and 
coming actor, someone that's interested in the field, I think we can definitely learn a lot more about it. I might get my foot back into acting at this point. Like, honestly, with all you, yeah, <laughs> of course. Thank you so much, Sam, for being on the show. Is there anything that you have coming up that you want to tell the people or any projects that you're working on that you're excited about? Yeah, I'm so excited about something. So I've been a referral only coach since I started my business. So basically, you if you want to coach with me, you need an um, agent, manager, producer, someone to say like, you can coach with Sam. Um, but at the beginning of the pandemic, um, TikTok actually came to me and they were like, you want to start making educational videos for actors? And I was like, no fucking way. Like I'm a behind the scenes kind of person. And then one of my influencer clients, this guy named Tristan Tales was like, you should do it. It's a really good idea. So I started making these videos on TikTok about acting and then it kind of snowballed into this like me making videos about the other people on TikTok who were posting misinformation about acting. So I was basically like trolling other creators who just posted shitty information. Um, So a lot of people were reaching out to me from there being like, hey, do you teach classes? Can we coach with you? And I would just say no. So I've made zero dollars from any of this, which is great. Um, I haven't gotten a client. I haven't made any money, which is totally fine. I just wanted to post information for actors. But eventually I was like, I should do something to help these actors. So I made these seminars, which is what I've been talking about, sort of like behind the scenes of how the industry works, because I can't find that anywhere for actors. So I really finally, after all these years, released these three seminars. One is the basics of acting, which is just Basically, like you could get that in any acting class. It's just sort of very cleanly, very precisely um, formatted for new actors. So if you get a script, what do you do? How do you approach it? What are the very basics of acting? The second one is basics of auditioning, which I love, which is what happens inside an audition room? What's the terminology? What's the difference between a self-tape and in-person audition? What are the levels of casting, casting director versus casting executive at the studio, at the network? Um, All the inside information about uh, casting. And then the third one is basics of starting your career. So how do you format your resume? What's a headshot? Um, how do you do reels? Um, and all the stuff that the self-submission sites versus agent manager submissions, what is the difference between an agent and a manager? All of that terminology that a new actor would need. So I am super proud of them just because I think it answers a lot of the questions that you would spend years floating around LA not getting answered by a regular acting class. So I release them. I love them. They're on my website. If you are a new actor, I highly recommend them. That's so exciting. <laughs> well, that's so fun. I'm so glad. I will definitely be checking them out as well. And I think you guys should too. Just for more information, I think if you're looking into on the industry or if you're trying to get in and get a kickstart on it, I think that's definitely the best way to get started because who else better to get started with than Sam? Thank you so much for being on the podcast. And um, honestly, it was just such a great time talking to you. I think it was so interesting for me. And honestly, if you guys see me... Um, taking some self-tape soon no you did not (laughs) so yeah thank you with everything that we talked about with Sam, though, I think that I have definitely wanted to challenge myself a lot more I've definitely considered an acting career in the future for me or definitely was not in the past I was definitely more prone to being a singer my entire life like that was my main dream and that was really music was all I really really wanted to do but acting was always kind of a leeway so it was really interesting to hear from her. But for me, I think I've been telling myself there's a lot more paths that I can pursue. I was really burnt out. Um, this year, I really did kind of burn myself out with music in terms of I would force myself to sit in the studio every single day and write a, write at least one song or do something. I would be in the studio for hours and hours every single day. And I think I really burnt my brain out and my creativity to the point where I thought that I really lost it. So that's something that I've been really recovering from recently where apparently actually burnout to recover from, it takes a year, which is crazy to me because I do not have a year to waste. But guys, really avoiding burnout is really important. So take breaks when you need to. Don't do what I did. It's really important that you take breaks in between and you don't overwork yourself because of the fact that it's really not worth it in the end. And really you can push yourself, you can do all of that. And that's really good, making yourself grow and striving to be better. But I think I did it to a point where I really started doubting my own abilities. And that's what all Honesty Hour here is all about because of the fact that I want to be really honest about my mental health and what I've been going through. And 2022, like I said earlier, was one of the roughest years for me in terms of 
um, me departing from my group, me moving back to Korea, um, adjusting, settling without a company, um, being a freelance, being an indie artist, it's been insane. And learning more about the business side of music because I don't have a manager, doing all these things on my own was something that really kind of shook me a lot because of the fact that I felt that I wasn't good enough and that I wasn't adequate for what I was doing. And then I just realized that this is why people hire people. This is why managers and agents and PR teams and publishing, this is why people exist. I just wasn't meant to do this alone. So I learned one thing from 2022, which is that no man is an island. It's totally okay to reach out. It's totally okay to receive help and ask for help, especially before you hit burnout. Because one thing I can tell you is that you, you, and I mean this in the nicest way, you can't do it all by yourself. And I mean that in literally the best way, because it should be reassuring to hear that because there should be nobody who feels that they have all the weight on their shoulders that I have to carry all of this. Because there's people around you who really do genuinely want to help you. And I feel that that's something that I've learned a lot this year. But I learned that there are people who say they want to help you and end up just kind of not helping you or hurting you more in the end. And that is a learning process. Um, You can look for red flags, I guess, or whatever it is. If you listen to um, my podcast episode from before with Jelly and Levi, not just with friends, but with people in general, where you can live and learn and hopefully not make the same mistakes. So don't make this, hopefully make the mistakes, hopefully don't make the same mistakes that I did. And hopefully I will not make the same mistakes as well. So I found myself surrounded now with a great group of people and people that really care about me and want to help me and people who really just want to see me thrive and do well. And that's so weird for me because I genuinely feel almost indebted, which is kind of the best way to explain it, but I know that these people don't want anything in return for me, but that in turn more makes me just want to be better and more successful so I can show them and be more grateful to them that their work wasn't in vain. And that is, I think, a good motivation for me where I'm a giver. I give up. No, I'm just kidding. I'm a giver. And I really want to give back to the people who really pour into me. And that's something that's I found whenever I've been really burnt out has been a really big driving force that if I can't do it for myself, I can do it for all the people around me who have really helped me out. And I've had amazing experiences with amazing people this year. I met so many talented songwriters, producers, mixing engineers, artists, and we're all just kind of going through the same thing. It's an up and down cycle. And the downs can get really down, but it makes the ups seem that much more better. And that's a really cheesy thing to say, but y'all, it sucks sometimes out here, but it's also kind of cool. My weekly mental health goal for this week, because I have been so just out of it, has been to drink less caffeine. I'm pretty sure that was a goal from like a a couple episodes before, like maybe in the beginning of this, but I need to do it again. It's a goal that is like a reoccurring goal for me or just to sleep better. It's a goal that it's like, it feels so unattainable right now, but sleep has been evading me so much that I'm trying to do better with like eating and like taking care of myself properly and whatever else it is. But sleep is so important to the human body that I crave it, but I cannot get it that if I need to take a step towards it, it'll be, I guess, because I don't drink that much coffee anymore. I genuinely just drink a cup whenever I get up and I'm getting ready. When I'm out, maybe I'll drink another cup. But aside from that, I try to stray away from it. But maybe I just need to try and cut it completely. That's not going to be fun. But we'll see how that rolls. Um, If I seem a little meaner in my next podcast, that's why maybe. (laughs) But I'll keep you all updated. Um, I'm going to try and just kind of wean down on the caffeine and just sleep better. Anything I can do to improve the quality of my sleep at this point because a girl is desperate that is all for today's episode of amateur hour thank you guys so much for listening in i really just wish nothing but the best for you guys this year being able to just do all these things has really opened my eyes to show me that me as just denise is also capable of doing things instead of being denise from something or denise as someone of something else like just being me Denise really made me face that person as I am, just as I am. And maybe that was what it was like this year for you too. But 
if you're struggling and finding your way, don't worry. We're going to find ourselves hopefully together in 2023. But hopefully we'll be spending more time together and you'll stick around to hear more of my madness and just crazy chaotic thoughts. So thank you guys so much for listening. I have all my social medias at Denise Kim Says on TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, and my SoundCloud and YouTube is Denise Kim Sings. Don't forget to leave a five-star review and subscribe if you enjoyed this podcast and you want to hear more. We don't have many episodes left as the season is coming to a close, but the oven is still hot. We still have a lot more coming up, so stay tuned. Thank you guys so much for listening. Much love. Stay blessed. Bye. I say thank you for tuning in I hope you enjoyed listening I'm afraid it's time to go But I'll see you in the next episode If I could, I'd give you flowers But for now, this has been Immature Hour Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.